Bible reading today is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, and can be found in the Church Bibles on page 1042. At the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Great, thank you, Rosemary. That's uh, splendid. (laughs) So, uh, good morning, everyone, again. How are we all today? Good? Splendid? Um, We're looking at Mary and Martha. And I want to start just by asking, are any of you easily distracted? Yeah, okay, quite a few hands. I definitely am. I just checked with my wife that she agreed. She said, of course you are. You are the most distracted person I know. I said, could you give me any humorous examples? And she said, where should I start? Um, On our third date, um, I had to interrupt you after you'd driven around the roundabout three times uh, because you were so busy concentrating on the conversation that you uh, didn't know what you were doing. Uh, She now says, I won't bring up any difficult or... Um, you know, thought-provoking subject in the car for fear that you'll go the wrong way or crash. Um, And uh, she then pointed out an incident that happened a few months ago, uh, uh, which was uh, we were going to Sainsbury's on our way home. We had friends to visit. We had to get a few last-minute things. And um, so we were in a bit of a rush. Clara, uh, Harry wasn't here then, so Clara, Kate and I. Uh, So we run around Sainsbury's. I remember whizzing around with a trolley, uh, piling up all the stuff in the trolley that we needed. Clara sitting in the seat, paid for it, rushed back to the car. And just as I approached the car, I got my key fob out to press the button to release the keys when Clara, as is her wont, said, I want to do it, Uh, which she always does. If there's any button to be pressed or bell to be pressed, she wants to do it. So uh, unfortunately, my default position is to act to all of her demands. So I then gave her the keys. Uh, she opened it. Uh, we put her in the car seat and closed the door, uh, opened the boot, uh, put all the shopping in. The last bag went in, closed the boot door. Then we heard a funny click sound, uh, tried to open the door and realized that it was locked. And uh, this was, we, we were rushing. We had to get home. Uh, and I was very agitated by this. And so I started shouting in the window, Clara, Clara, open the door, open the door. And uh, gesticulating wildly. Um, I, it, I was getting nowhere. And um, I, I think the best way to, de- to describe this is just to say that I lost it. Um, <laughs> I basically went mad. I said, what, what are we going to do? 
no, what are we going to do? This is awful. And, uh, and uh, at which point, uh, as various kind of, uh, they have uh, the, the Sainsbury's in Guildford, they've got those uh, people who clean the cars for you. They're all looking concerned, you know, what's going on. And Kate just said to me, Tom, get over there, and sent me to uh, another part of the car park. And three seconds later, she had calmly persuaded Clara to open the door. So there we go. Um, What's the point? The point is that sometimes things that seem important, that actually aren't that important, can distract us from something that really, really is important. Acquiescing to all Clara's requests is not that important and probably isn't a good long-term decision. And yet there are things, aren't there? that we do all the time, that we listen to, that we allow to preoccupy us, uh, that we actually put first, which actually prevent us from missing far more important things like getting home safely or even getting into the car at all. And the reality of it is that this can happen to us all. So many of us put out our hands to say we are distracted, but we all get distracted, obviously not during my sermons, but generally in life, uh, whether it's things we're excited about things we're really interested in, things we're responsible for, things we're anxious about, things we're hoping for, it's easy to find ourselves preoccupied and missing something that is actually way more important. Let's be honest, it happens to us all. So does anyone here find themselves feeling sorry for Martha in this story? Anyone? Yeah, again, lots of hands. I can see why. Because the fact is that Martha is a person we can easily identify with. Why? Because here are some of the things that we may have in common with her as we think about our feelings and our lives here this morning. We're busy and we feel slightly or even very overwhelmed. We're concerned about how others think about us and what we think of them. There were just so many good things we could do with our time, but there's not enough time to do it all. And yet in the midst of all that, we want to serve Jesus and to do our best for him. And that's why I find this parable, or this, not parable, this passage, so short that it is, so powerful, and why I wanted to make sure that we got to preach on it in this sermon series. Because it's not actually a passage about people who are rejecting Jesus, or who are far away from him, as so many of the gospel passages are. It's actually rather about someone who is following him, and is actually doing very little wrong, and yet who is deeply challenged by what Jesus has to say, and who may still be missing the point or missing out on so many of the blessings that Jesus has for them. So what are some of the telltale signs or symptoms that we're in that situation, as we all sometimes will be? Well, maybe it's that we're feeling anxious about meeting the expectations of others or ourselves. Maybe we're feeling weighed down by our responsibilities. Maybe we're feeling out of control and unsure whether God is in control of our lives. Maybe we're feeling spiritually dry or unfruitful. Or maybe we're feeling demotivated and resentful as we seem to be doing all the work. In short, as I hope will become clear, this passage is relevant to us all. So what I want us to do now is just invite God to speak to us through it. And just bring to him, as it were, those things that that we're weighed down by, that we're anxious about, that we feel resentful about, 
that dryness that we may be conscious of. And let's just bring it to him now and invite us, him to speak to us together. Father, thank you that you call us to be honest about where we're at with you, about the things that weigh us down, that cause us fear and anxiety, a sense of burden, the dryness that we feel, even the resentfulness that we feel, that sense of being overwhelmed or responsible for too many things. Lord, we just bring these things to you and pray that now by your spirit, through your word, you would minister to us and release us from all you want us to be released from and reconnect us with you and your son, Jesus, through your spirit. Amen. Okay, so this is what we're going to cover in this sermon. We're first of all going to explore about what's, explore what's surprising in this passage. Always a great place to start with any passage that we find. Then we're going to think about what is truly important in life. And third, as we sort of wrap up and apply it to our own lives, we're going to think about what the impact can be if we make the main thing the main thing in our lives. So first then, what's surprising in this passage? And I think um, it's basically this. It's that Martha, the person in the story who supposedly gets it wrong, was probably a far more devoted disciple than any of us are. So whatever mistake Martha made, actually it's something that even the most devoted Christians among us could also make. And at first glance, it doesn't even seem to be a mistake at all. But let's just remind ourselves, first of all, of some of the things that Martha got right. I don't know how much you know about her, but there's a few passages where she appears. And John 11, for example, tells us that she was one of the most devoted and spiritually perceptive of Jesus' disciples. In that story, she showed great faith in believing that Jesus could heal her brother Lazarus from the dead. And she asserts her belief that so few others had, that Jesus was the Messiah the Son of God. She was one of the first to recognize him for who he is. And yet here in this story, well, we still actually see her showing great devotion. When Jesus comes to her village, it's Martha who received him into her home, and not just him, but his 12 disciples. This isn't just one extra for dinner. It's a whole football team and two subs as well. And it was love and devotion for the Lord that led her to go to an enormous amount of trouble. Verses 40 to 41 make that clear. To entertain him as worthily as she possibly could. And that would mean, we can, we can imagine, can't we? Preparation of the guest rooms, the buying of provisions, cleaning the house, baking and serving of the meals, the washing up and clearing up again. It was an enormous task. And that would naturally leave very little time to sit and listen to the Lord talking. Not that she wouldn't have wanted to, of course. But clearly she believed that there simply were certain things that had to be done when you were entertaining as important a guest as Jesus. And so you can just imagine her consternation, can't you? When her sister seemed to be making no effort at all to help. After all, she lived there as well. So in Martha's mind, there was no obvious reason why Mary wouldn't do what the occasion demanded and join forces with her sister. And yet, whilst Martha is pulling out all the stops to honour the Lord, Mary left off working 
and went and sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his word. It meant that Mary was getting all the pleasure and Martha was getting all the work. And in Martha's eyes, this simply wasn't fair. But if that wasn't bad enough, what made it even worse was that Jesus was doing nothing about it. Indeed, it seems to be that he was actually condoning and encouraging Mary in what she was doing by letting her just sit there and by talking to her. How would you feel? What would you do if you were Martha? Well, quite possibly you too would go up to Jesus and complain and suggest that perhaps he was being a little bit less than fair and rather insensitive to your circumstances. And maybe like Martha, you give him a bit of not-so-subtle guidance as to what he should have done which was, of course, to send Mary back to help in the kitchen. That's what you do unless, of course, you remembered then who it was you were speaking to. For that's where Martha went wrong and where we move into our second section. What is truly important in life? Martha just assumed she knew the answer to that question and that it was Mary and, by implication, Jesus who were mistaken. And yet the man she chastised was the one she called Lord, who had healed lepers, the blind, the the lame and the the dumb, who had calmed the storm, had fed the 5,000, had walked on water, and whose wisdom and spiritual insight and miraculous powers were unprecedented, who claimed to be the Messiah and who she herself recognized to be the Messiah. So Martha, might it just be possible that in this little family dispute where Jesus, the Son of God, surprisingly doesn't seem to be taking your side, might it just be possible that it's not him who's got it wrong and not even your sister Mary, but actually Martha, it might be you. And so gently but firmly Jesus corrected her and it was not that he, mis- he underestimated the importance of service. Actually, in chapter 12 of Luke, he teaches several parables about the importance of being ready to serve faithfully and fairly at any time. And the Good Samaritan and the sheep and the goats and other parables made the same point. It does matter what we do and how we serve. But the point Jesus is making in this passage here today is this. When he visited Martha's house, he was on a journey. Verse 38 makes that clear. And so the time he had to spend with the sisters was limited. And when he left, it would be a long time before he was back again. So the question was this. Would they cut down work to a minimum, content themselves with a few simple meals, and so give the Lord the maximum amount of time to talk to them and enjoy their fellowship? Because that was what he wanted. He wasn't interested in dining in luxury and sleeping in luxury. He just wanted to spend time with them. And what's more, he also knew that what Martha and Mary most needed was to spend time with him and to learn from him. And so although Martha meant well and thought she was serving him, what she was actually doing was depriving him of the very thing he wanted and depriving herself of the very thing she needed. And so the question I want to ask us now this morning is this. Are we doing the same? What does Jesus most want from us? 
Is it our religious observance? Is it our service? Is it our money? Is it our respectability? Or is it us? In time spent with him, not just doing things for him. And it's in this understanding of what is most important that Mary and Martha differed. That was the cause of the dispute and the crux of the matter that Jesus addressed once Martha had got off her chest the anger and resentment she was feeling was this. As he lifted the blinds from her eyes and he did it so so simply and memorably in verse 42 with those words of comfort. Martha, Martha, you were worried and upset about many things. But then we get the verdict. But only one thing is needed. Yes, Martha, all that service, all that food, that impeccable accommodation and everything else is all very nice. But only one thing is needed. And that, Martha, is you. Not the things you're doing for me. But you here, talking and listening to me. Even though it offends all your prior Jewish assumptions about uh, what's important in our culture to honour a special guest with amazing hospitality, just as so many cultures around the world still do today. For only one thing is needed, a thing that has nothing to do with shopping or cleaning or baking. And here are the words of judgment. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not taken away from her. For she understood that time with Jesus was short. She understood that his mission was not to receive hospitality, but to make disciples. And Mary understood that if she was to become the disciple that Jesus was calling her to be, she needed to spend as much time with him as possible, learning as much from him as she could. Because only that would change her. Only by listening to him would she learn from him. And only by being with him would she start to become like him. So, how does this apply to the pressures, the responsibilities, the choices, the expectations that we face with which we began? What then is truly important in life as a follower of Jesus? It's not the jobs that need doing. It's not meeting other people's expectations. It's not putting on a show or appearing to be a success. It's not seeking to earn our way to approval from Jesus or from others or even from ourselves. It's not even putting others first, good and virtuous though that is. It's learning from and listening to Jesus so that we too would get to know him intimately and so that we too would become like him. Why? Because if we get that right, everything else will look after itself. This is the starting point, the motivation, the life spring and the foundation upon which we can then serve Jesus and the world. Because it's by doing that that we become different people and it's by becoming different people that we make a difference that people notice God in us and that people come to faith and that we can change the world. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But if you don't do that, if you don't listen to Jesus, 
where his words continued, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mary was remaining in him as she listened at his feet. Martha was too focused on what she could do for him rather than on what he could do in her. Remaining in him is not simply about allegiance. It's not just saying, I belong to Jesus. It's about sustenance. It's about dependence. It's about his presence in every situation that we face and every decision that we take. And what does that mean practically? It means that a life consisting of serving Jesus, but rarely listening to him or even talking to him is way out of balance. Martha wasn't giving Jesus a chance to talk to her, whether he wanted to or not. But to follow Mary's example, the better way is to be willing to take time out and listen to Jesus whenever he has something to say and staying close enough to him that we actually notice when he does. Whether that's directly in prayer or indirectly through the Bible, it's about always being hungry to learn. And whenever we feel we've lost connection, lost some of that intimacy, coming back to him until that rootedness, that connection is restored. So, on to our brief and final section. What's the impact of living this way then, the better way, and listening to Jesus? When we get back to spending time with him, what starts to happen? Well, we start to see things as they really are. We realize how far away we are from holiness, but we find ourselves drawn towards it as we focus on Jesus. We move from feeling out of control to Jesus being in control with all the peace that that brings. We stop trying to earn God's favor, but simply accept and rejoice in his grace. We start to let go of a compulsion to meet other people's expectations, and instead, knowing we're forgiven and loved and affirmed by Jesus, seek simply to glorify him. We discover that we become more sensitive to his prompting and guidance and more fruitful conversations start to arise. And we begin to notice and others begin to notice that as we serve Jesus, it no longer looks like a chore, heavy going. We no longer feel resentful and we find ourselves simply enjoying the pleasure of doing his will. And we start to realize those things that we were worried or preoccupied about before no longer have such power. We can sit lightly to them, confident that Jesus is carrying those burdens for us and that they are completely safe with him. And we start to re-experience that joy and that satisfaction, that fulfillment that only walking with Jesus can bring. So, Where are you at this morning? Will you lay down your anxieties, your pressures, your burdens, and give them once more to him? Will you acknowledge that though everything else feels important, only one thing is actually needed? But it might be the one thing that we've forgotten to do. We may have forgotten. We may have grown distant from our first love. And it's not your volunteering, it's not your giving, it's not your church attendance, it's not your morality that he most wants. It's you. You, in intimate relationship with him, where there's no agenda that you're bringing to it, 
No conditions, no time limits, no hesitation. But you're simply giving yourself because he gave everything for you. So I want to give us now the opportunity to respond. Do you want to get back to your first love? Do you want to reconnect with him? Do you want to leave all those anxieties behind and just place them at his feet? Do you want to make the main thing the main thing? Do you want to pursue the only thing that is actually needed so that everything else will look after itself? It's Valentine's Day today, as we know. The opportunity I want to give you this morning is to give your heart back to Jesus. If you're in a situation as I am, where you know that you want to take a great step forward, where you want to get back to that place of listening to him, of everything you do immersed in his presence, where you are hearing his voice whenever he speaks, and you're willing to respond. Is that what you want and need today? That's what Jesus offers us. And this is an opportunity today to make that step, to give him your heart once again, and to receive everything that you need, and so much more beyond. This is what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm just going to ask us to stand and we're going to invite God's spirit to use his word and just to speak into our lives as individuals and show us what he wants us to do next. So let's do that now. Why don't we stand, if you feel able to, that is. And I believe that what happens when we gather together on Sundays is that we are inviting the Spirit to take God's word and to speak it into our hearts like a two-edged sword, just putting, putting that sharp point right on the crux of the matter. And today it's about our heart and whether we will once more give everything for him. So... Let's invite God's Spirit just to speak to us and to fill us anew this morning. You might want to hold your hands out as a sign of openness to him. His Spirit is already here, but let's now invite his presence, his fullness. Come Holy Spirit. Would you fill us, Father, with your Holy Spirit now? you sweep through us into every corner of our heart and mind. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, as you minister to us now, I pray that you would speak to every one of us here today. Just show us where we're at. 
and show us what you're calling us to as individuals. Speak to us now, we pray. More of your spirit, we pray. And so this is what I want to give the opportunity for us to do now. Behind me is the, a cross. You'll see it's already got some hearts on it. And just to uh, the right of that cross as you look, there's a basket with lots of red and silver and gold hearts made of card. In the other basket, there's some pins. And in your own time, over a, a couple of songs of worship that the band will uh, come up and lead us in in a moment. I want you to do this. If you feel you need to take this step forward today, if you want a new level of intimacy, if you want to give your heart without conditions back to Jesus, then in your own time, just come and take one of those hearts, take one of those pins and just pin it to that cross. And then what I'd invite you to do is is one of three things. One is that you'll see there's some kneelers here around the steps. There's also some chairs gathered around there. You can also just sit on the floor or stand and just take some time worshipping, listening to Jesus, saying to him whatever you want to say to him, knowing that he is there encountering you by his spirit. Or you might want to take the opportunity to seek some healing prayer We've got our prayer for healing teams. They'll be in this corner, in this corner, and also, I think, at the back as well. If there's anything that you would appreciate prayer for healing about, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, even for someone else as well as for yourself, why don't you take that opportunity? Or you might prefer, for reasons of comfort or space or whatever, if you've still pinned that heart to the cross, you might want to go back to your seat and just spend some time praying and listening and worshipping. So we've got lots of time. This is a golden opportunity for you. It's a safe place where you give your heart again to Jesus.